0: This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network.
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Know That Face Redux. I'm Steve Portio. My name is Andrew Carroll. and today we are continuing our Stars for Rent subseries with a deep dive on the Jennifer Garner action movie Peppermint. Um, never thought I'd be saying those words, um, <laughs> Andrew. How would we describe Stars for Rent?
0: Stars for Rent is uh, one of our bonus series focusing on leading A-listers doing lowbrow action action movies, basically.
1: Yeah, I'd say odd action movies made by non-action stars in the wake of Liam Neeson's Taken that seem a bit beneath their stars, but they do them anyway because it could be a hit. Yeah, very true. Yeah, and um, I should say Peppermint was a minor hit. Um, it made double its budget back, although I don't recall it doing that much business in Ireland when it was released. But uh. It it probably sold well in America. I mean, yeah, probably. It has that weird
0: right wing vigilante slant,
1: mm. which um. is not the
0: reason I dislike it. <laughs> I dislike it because
1: it's <laughs> bad. Sure. I'm I'm weirdly pro peppermint. I'm gonna get that on the on the table right now. But um, before we get into it, do you have any Jennifer Garner thoughts?
0: not really um, to be honest she's like <laughs> Ethan Hawke she's kind of she hasn't she just doesn't appear on my radar that much um, I watched um, 13 going on 30 over Christmas last Christmas um, and I remember quite liking it but beyond that um, I haven't really seen her in much I haven't seen Alias um, I haven't seen Ghosts of Girlfriends France I've seen Dallas Buyers Club and I do not remember her in that um I haven't seen Love Simon or The Adam
1: Project. Um, you haven't seen any of these. I've seen Dallas Buyers Club, but I haven't seen any of these movies. But yeah, the yeah, I've seen game. yeah,
0: I've seen Dallas Buyers Club and 13 Going On 30, and that is basically where my knowledge of Jennifer Garner begins and ends.
1: Yeah, I must admit, I wouldn't be as familiar with her work as Ethan Hawke, who's the focus of our inaugural. Stars for that movie. Congratulations mm. to Ethan for that. I'm sure he, he's really happy. <laughs> he's very, very proud, yeah. Um, I never watched Alias, uh, the action thriller series that gave her her big break. Um, Plus, she does a lot of family movies like The Odd Life of Timothy Green or Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day or Yes Day. And she does a lot of rom-coms like Ghost of Girlfriend's Pass, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day. All of which, if I'm being honest, wouldn't be my bag they didn't particularly get good reviews, but they were all kind of hits. Uh, she's a very bankable star, and mm. I, I think it's kind of easy to see why. Like, There's something very sweet and sincere about her. She has soccer mom vibes. Exactly. That's exactly the, what I think. Um, it's just very easy to root for her characters, and when you, know, when you see her in things like Juno... Or where she is playing someone who, mm. you know, wants to be a mom. Or Dallas Buyers Club. Or what's widely considered her magnum opus, 30 and going on 30. A very charming film. But um, she also has action chops. You know, she she made her bones in this She played Electra in two superhero films. Mm. Soon to be three. If Deadpool three, 3 ever gets made. Yeah, and I imagine they're bringing her back. Because they're like, yeah, she's a bankable name. <laughs> you mm. Yeah, Bringing her into whatever Frankenstein's creature the MCU has become like yeah. adds value. Um, and I, I actually think Peppermint is a very interesting project for Garner in that it combines the two sides of her acting persona because, you know, she is this soccer mom who could be in The Odd Life of Timothy Green that is forged by fire, so to speak, into this sort of um, angel of vengeance. Yeah. Um, so let's we'll get into Peppermint, which we should say made by the director of Taken Himself, Pierre Morel, arguably the stars for Red King. Um, so we're in prime stars for Rent Territory here. Um, do you have the plot for this? I do, yeah.
0: Riley North, played by Jennifer Garner, is a struggling bank teller with a husband and daughter. After her husband refuses to rob um, crime lord Diego Garcia, played by Juan Pablo Raba, um, Garcia finds out and targets Riley's family. Her husband and daughter are killed in a drive-by shooting, and Riley is injured. After the justice system fails her, Riley goes, goes to ground and over the next five years learns how to shoot, how to fight, and how to kill. Now Riley's back in LA with revenge on her mind, and LABD detectives Stan, played by John Gallagher Jr. and Moses, played by John Ortiz, are hot on our trail. I'm very sorry for your loss. We have three suspects in custody, but they're all linked to the Garcia cartel. No witnesses have been willing to step up. These cartels are no joke. They've got everyone in their pockets. You've been through a terrible tragedy. Maybe you didn't see what you think you saw. That's him. Maybe you've made a mistake. Number three, number
1: five, number four. They did it. Is it possible that your recollection isn't
0: what you thought it was? The evidence is insufficient to hold the defendants over for trial. You think that you're gonna have justice? Make them all pay. Five years ago, Riley North just disappeared. Completely off the grid. So she spends the
1: last five years doing what? training well that's new you honestly think riley north did this today's the five-year anniversary of her family's murder she's back i like so, the way when you, you d- give that plot synopsis it sounds like the bad guy whose nickname is the guillotine which is a great name um that he killed him for not robbing him <laughs> yeah killed, yeah it's yeah, uh, for... no
0: he kills him because he finds out about the the, yeah. the plot that's um, very extreme. It is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, this is a film that kind of, that opens with. Um, I remember seeing in the edit in the opening credits. There's a, a homeless guy holding a sign that just says "We're fucked" on it, which is a very uh, gnarly, edgy way to start it, to open a movie. And this film does really open like really gnarly. And she's, she's like grappling with a man in a car before she shoots him in the head.
1: But it's then... also you think that someone might be having some fun in the car because it's you, the car is rocking. Back, and it turns out, down. yeah, and it and turns it out turns, no one's having fun. It's a knife fight, yeah. yeah. And she's no, she's smashing the guy's head into the window, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: and then it, like she she kills him in the car and goes back to her van on Skid Row in Los Angeles and like staples the wound shut and then t- tapes it, wraps it in tape in lieu of bandages, and then nothing in that in the movie ever reaches those highs again.
1: That's true. <laughs> um, aside from what you've mentioned. What is your particular issues with the movie? um I just
0: think that well, first of all, you would wonder what Jennifer Garner was going through to take this role uh and a little bit of re- bit of research will tell you that this is the year she and Ben Affleck divorced, so she was obviously working through some things um but i think I think this film lacks that spark a lot of other action films have, whether it's the confidence to kind of go hard and like the cruelty and meanness of this the world it so obviously wants wants to be um a lack of any kind of exciting kind of techniques or just sort of just flatly competent filmmaking i don't think peppermint has much going for it Um this could have been something as ludicrously cruel as law-abiding citizen but instead it all very short and i think jennifer is serving the film very ably here with as much as as much grit and raw bubbling emotion as she can provide but the film doesn't seem to want to do the same for her And it's clear she put in the work, body and soul, but she's obviously aiming high while the film wants to go low and both end up missing each other. I don't think she gives a bad performance so the character is poorly written, but I do think the script around the characters just wasn't there. And I just think it could have used a bit more violence along the way. A film that's willing to shoot a 10-year-old girl in its opening act should commit to inflicting greater harm on the adult characters as things go on. This is about the cartel, goddammit. I wear my Colombian neckties, you know?
1: I agree. I want to get into that. It feels like they cut out 20 minutes of heavy violence out of this Mm. movie. I I think the movie is worse off for that. Um, I will say what I kind of liked about it is that one of my favorite movie tropes ever is the sort of almost mythic level person on a violent mission. Mm. I always think of um, John Borman's film Point Blank, which is probably the gold standard for this. There's a scene in that film that cuts from a shot of Lee Marvin's lead character. I think he was injured. He um, is swimming from Alcatraz Island back to California and it cuts from that to a shot of him on a ferry overlooking the same island and he's doing a tour and the loudspeaker describes the impossibility of leaving the island that way. (laughs) So immediately you're like, this guy is like, he's another level. This guy's a tank. The recent Guy Ritchie movie, Wrath of Man, does a similar thing where Jason Statham's like enigmatic armored truck driver is held up. But the minute the robbers see like Statham's face, they flee scared. <laughs> and you're, you're thinking, like, who is this guy? And I, I think Peppermint's version of the trope is pretty effective because, like, Garner's character Riley's family is killed. Perpetrators aren't convicted for the crime. And then the movie jumps to five years later where everyone involved in the case is being killed. And you got the two cops investigating the killings, they meet with the FBI and the FBI say that, you know, right, he stole 55000 from the bank she worked at five years ago, disappeared completely off the grid, and that every once in a while there would be a lead, and you see, like, kind of a clip of she showed up at a Hong Kong hospital severely injured, a video is posted to YouTube showing her doing MMA in Europe, <laughs> and, like, really violent and... You know, but no one can ever catch her. And they also explain that she's back in LA and that a gun shop was robbed by her and that she only took military-grade firearms. <laughs> and you're like, whatever happened to Riley off the grid, we don't need to get into specifics, only that it was hardcore.
0: Mm, <laughs> yeah,
1: Gave her the skills to be this one-woman army and get um, some form of justice for her family slaying. And um, I think what else was really cool, is later, the FBI work out her location by tracking crime patterns, which is something I actually hadn't seen in a movie before. It was, was kind of cool. Mm. Um, but basically, they know from the gunshot robbery that Riley was in L.A. for three months. So they look at changes to crime patterns in the city. And one area, the Skid Row area, was thought of as being rough has had a severe reduction in crime instances. So one of the FBI agents goes there and they see a mural painted by the locals of Riley who see her as their saviour because yeah. she, her single-handedly being there has reduced crime in the area so rapidly that they all love her. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this movie looks slick. As I said, I like that opening scene. It lacks the substance of the filmmaker I'm about to reference. But I think Morell does a lot of like Tony Scott Domino Man on Fire era like speed ups, when characters are going through um, a, a moment of like intense emotion or when people are loading up on weapons, like the camera mm. goes really fast. Jump, bump, bump. Um, I think that looks cool. I don't think it has any like it adds much to the movie other mm. than like, but hey, it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think yeah. My main issue with this movie is that it could go harder, and it feels like a lot of scenes that would have allowed the movie to do that were cut, maybe for time or to achieve a lower rating. Although. It should be said this was rated R in the States and it's fairly violent already. But um, mm. I have three examples of this. See if see if you you, you agree with me. I think the best scene in the movie is uh the moment when after Riley's family is killed, a guy who she doesn't know, who's played by um Ozark's Michael Mosley, he shows up at her house and is giving his condolences to her and is offering advice However, he then reveals that he's the lawyer for the people who killed her family and offers her money to drop the case. And when Roddy says, like, no, get out of my house, he threatens her. And then later he uses evidence he gathered while in Roddy's house against her in court. Right. So this lawyer character is very pivotal to the movie and very hateable. Mm. But he's killed off screen. Yeah, Yeah. I thought that was odd for one of these like over the top vengeance movies.
0: It's odd to say went for the judge and killed him in such a like you know implied gruesome manner and then just left him out.
1: But even that scene, like, um, the judge in this case, who she says is in the pocket of the cartel, um, he, he to be honest, he seems like it from the court. He doesn't seem very, um, uh, sensitive to Riley's plight. But, um, yeah, Riley has him tied up and gagged in his house and says, I'll spare you your life if you can remember my name. But then it just cuts to her blowing up his house with him inside <laughs> it. And we don't get a scene where the judge tries and fails to remember Riley's name. Like, him being like, oh, I want to say Tara. Yeah. Like, I think that could have been funny. Um, there's also another scene where um, one of the guys who works with the cartel boss screws up and the cartel boss is surrounded by the screw-up and several other minions and the boss tells the screw-up something like, you and I, in a few minutes, are going to have a very short conversation about this. And it's very threatening. And then the cartel boss concocts a plan with the other minions and then the scene just cuts to the next one. <laughs> and I think later we see the screw-ups, like, Body being dumped somewhere, but to further establish how scary and ruthless the bad guy is, I might have punctuated the scene with the cartel boss suddenly turning around and like shooting him dead. Mm. Yeah, shooting him like ten times and have all the his minions. I keep saying minions, like it's it's not Kevin and like banana, (laughs) but um, all the the henchmen. Um, and maybe he could say something cool like take out the trash or like to the to the henchmen or dispose of the rat. Like that's just a no for me. I don't know who am I. Not a lot of not a lot of one liners in both
0: films we haven't covered so far. That's true. Yeah. Um, there's one in um, Twenty Four Hours to Live that I forgot to mention. Where um,
1: we're recording these the same day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where he's,
0: day. He's, after the informant is killed. Zhu um, King is like he tried to do the right thing, and Ethan Hawke is like, yeah, well, you should chisel that in his grave. But that's the only line I remember from that movie. So
1: that's not that bad. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. whereas
0: Peppermint just doesn't have anything like that.
1: It has one line that I thought was really good. Um, not like a um, a cool action line, but a sort of like uh, a faux deep line is when um, John Gallagher Jr. is looking at Riley's kid who's killed and uh, John Ortiz's character. Love John Ortiz, I should mm, say. Um, great. John, he can, John he can John do Ortiz's this kind innocent. of thing in his sleep. Yeah, they call him Crazy Pig. I don't know if you know that. He played the guy from Miami Vice, the bad guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they call me Crazy Pig. Um, no, he uh, comes over to John Gallagher Jr. and he's like... Um, I know it's hard and John Gare Jr. says like yeah it's it's always tough when um people are killed uh, or kids are killed and John Ortiz says something like yeah it's supposed to be tough that's what separates us from them mm. and it's kind of a good line because you're like yeah criminals yeah yeah cer- certain criminals don't care about hurting children but like yeah. obviously police it's it, it's very painful for them working on it but, you know it's kind of um spoilers 30 seconds for, it's a little bit confusing then that that guy who said that is revealed to be the rat but yeah. uh, whatever um but um, I mean, people... I kind of liked
0: it, that because it, any other movie would make John Ortiz the rat. Whereas yeah, no, it's it... kind of cool to see young scruffy John, uh, John Gallagher Jr. as this as the cartel's rat or whatever.
1: I, I did like that twist. I will say though, it raises some questions in terms of at the beginning of the movie, and Jennifer Garner is in a coma, and John Gallagher Jr. shows up and is like. Basically, kind of getting, trying to get her to wake up out of the coma to identify the people because they're gonna walk. Mm. But if he was in the pocket of the cartel, wouldn't he have just been like, "Oh, she was in a coma," you know, <laughs> yeah. could gets get through to her? Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure when he became part of the in the pocket of the bad guy. Anyway, um, I think Peppermint's a terrible title for this movie. Dreadful, yeah. Do you know why it's called that? I didn't notice this in the movie. I, it's is it because it's set at Christmas? Well, no, apparently, do you remember the kid, No One Comes to the Kid's Birthday Party? Because uh-huh. of that awful other mother. Um, <laughs> and um, apparently she's like, oh, we'll take you out for ice cream and we'll get your favourite flavour. And she's like, peppermint!
0: Ooh, Jesus.
1: So that, that that's why the movie's called that. And But it's not like, you, I've never seen this movie, but like Gunpowder Milkshake. That's like a good title for an action mm. movie. It's a little yeah. bit like... I, never th- I don't think of Pepperbit as being like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting pepper! <laughs> and <laughs> mint. Mint! Yeah. It's, it's, it's just like, it's it's, it's yeah. not really that like, it doesn't inspire feelings of kind of like action, you know? Mm. Very true. The subtitle for this movie in some countries was Angel of Vengeance, which I think would be a good title for this. Mm. Um, you could have called it Mother Vengeance, I think sounds cool. Mm. Sympathy for Mother Vengeance, you get that South Korean vibe going, you know, Tartan Extreme. Yeah. uh that could be okay. I wanted to ask one question. Kind of not related to Peppermint but to Jennifer Garner in general. and See see what you think of it. I've been kind of workshopping this and some people I've said this to agree some people don't. Did Rachel McAdams in your opinion market correct Jennifer Garner a little bit? To yeah. borrow a phrase from the Rewatchables podcast. I think so, yeah. They're both very similar. Very similar vibes, yeah. right? I, the only thing is Rachel McAdams hasn't really done like an out-and-out action movie like in the same way like she's never really been like electra or in peppermint That's whatever. True. but i think you could jennifer garner in game night is very similar i think she could have done spotlight
0: yeah i wonder yeah.
1: when jennifer garner was making all these kind of family movies and rom-coms did rachel mcadams kind of nab the the kind of really great roles for women of that age yeah or around yeah, the same age yeah. in hollywood yeah
0: no you're right um now i just kind of want to see rachel mcadams in an action movie though
1: It'll really be cool, right? Yeah, she yeah. should do one of these. This she yeah. should be the next star. We should write it for her. <laughs> Sympathy for Mother Vengeance. You got it. Yeah, no, never Tyler. mind. Never
0: mind this podcast. We've got a script cooking. Yeah.
1: John Gallagher Jr. is the good guy in this one. No. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no that's everything um so yeah i give this three and a half out of five i i'm more up on it than you i even though I, I i just found it a bit more propulsive and enjoyable but uh it's kind of frustrating for me in that like i think with a couple of very simple hacks or tweaks this could be like actually like a really great sort of death wishy movie and mm. it's not quite that although most people just think it's father terrible so it has like a 10 percent of rotten tomatoes or something so um but um yeah we caught there yeah yeah for sure Email IKnowTheFacePod at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to the show. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please leave us an iTunes rating if you could be so kind. Andrew, where can people find more of your work? You can find me at the Sub Gaming section where we talk about what we play, why we play, and how we play it,
0: as well as at fortnightfrights.wordpress.com where we're talk about the most influential horror movies going by year, starting with 1920.
1: Great. Uh, you can check me out at Joe.e. See you later at CineFalls. Bye-bye.